Isn't West Virginia beautiful? That was all West Virginia shots, by the way. Didn't know if you knew that. Beautiful state we live in. How's everybody doing this morning? Good? Well, if you have your... I'm doing great, too. Just so you know. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those. Uh, Let's get those out and uh, jump to the book of John, if you want to follow with me in your Bibles. John chapter 5. John chapter 5. We are in the second part of a three-week series that we are calling Dangerous Prayers. And if you were here last week, how we started this uh, big series on prayer is we started with uh, two foundational things that we need to understand uh, when it comes to praying. I think we think a lot of different things about praying. But we started out last week by establishing this. And here's the first thing, that you, wherever you are, or however you feel uh, your prayer life is with God, you are wired by God to pray. Like, God coded you. Like, it is in your DNA to search him out and pray to him. Every one of us have been created by God to pray. That's the first one. And the second one is this, is that all of us can improve in our prayer life. That's the two things that we needed to know uh, through this series and as we think about prayer. Because here's the thing. For many of us, when it comes to our prayers, we're just too predictable and too safe in our prayers. You know, we pray things like, bless me, or, or help me, or, or be with me, and those aren't bad prayers, but it's just sometimes when we look at what we pray, we don't even maybe know what we're asking God to really do. So what we're doing is we're taking this opportunity to trade in our safe, predictable prayers and exchange those for more risky, dangerous prayers. And the first dangerous prayer that we started with last week was, search me. That, that we want to say, search my heart, God. Show me my thoughts like you see them and lead me to a better way. That was our first prayer. That's what we were asking. That there is a uh, courage and a willingness that it takes that you have to have in order to submit yourself to the searching process of God like that. To get a defined knowledge of your heart and your thoughts. And what I said last week is I said that this series, uh, one of these messages has the potential to actually have a huge spiritual significant breakthrough in your life. A huge potential for that to be a spiritual breakthrough in your life. That one of these messages could be uh, one of those important milestones for your faith if you actually incorporate these prayers into your daily life and some of these things in your life. Um, this past week, I actually got emails. We received some emails and, and I actually met with several of you uh, with this exact thing that God was using this past message last week to really show some things in your life. And I just want to read one email really quick. Here's what it says. It says, thank you for the challenging message about dangerous prayers. I, I've been going through a book helping me to identify areas of past hurts, sins, and failures where others have failed me. But yesterday challenged me to focus and begin to identify the areas in my own life where I have sin or struggles and areas where I may have hurt others by my actions or inactions. It's easy to become complacent and even easier to have blinders when it comes to our own issues and struggles. I'm excited for the rest of the series. That's what somebody said. And you know what, gang? I'm excited too. Like that's my hope uh, for everybody here and even for me in my life when we go through this series, that, that God works in this series in your life. I really do believe that there's a potential for a huge spiritual breakthrough for you. So here's what we're going to do this week. We're going to go from search me this week to another dangerous prayer that may be the most well-defined thing that we see happen to believers in the Bible, but it may be the least liked by us. And I'll warn you up front, this prayer is said a lot. It's commonly said, but it's not always fully owned. And it's this, it's change me. Change me. Here's, here's the reality we have 
right now in this room. We don't have to look anywhere else except for this room. In the hundreds of people's lives right here in this room, there are real things that should change and need to change in your life. There are things that really need to change. And here's the thing. There are outcomes right now in this room that are happening due to your not changing. There are real outcomes. Some are outcomes that are obvious, and some are maybe not so obvious because maybe the short-term payoff uh, is better than the long-term effects for now, for now. But over time, you know some of the things that you know you need to change will go for the worse if you don't do something about it. But you feel in control of it, at least for now, and you'll change someday. Someday you'll change. See, that's why this is such a dangerous prayer that we're gonna look at today because a lot of times, you know, we say that, that we wanna change, but we really don't like it for the most part. You know, we say we're okay with changing, but really we're not. And we say we, we're gonna change, but we don't. Change is, is really hard. And, but here's the bottom line. Here's what I want you to catch, and I don't want you to walk with anything away with anything other than this today, and it's why so many of us are in here this morning. Here's what I want to tell you. Jesus Christ can change your life in the best of ways. Do you believe that? I believe that. He's been doing it for thousands of years, and he's still doing it today. It's still happening in the lives of his people today. I want you to hear this if you're a believer in Christ. Listen to me. Jesus can change it. I don't care what it is. He can change it because he's already proved to you how he can change your life from the inside out. Jesus can change your life. Our first core value here as a church, if you're visiting or if you're trying to check us out, our first core value is this, living God's way is better. That's what we say. And we don't say living God's way is better, not because following the rules and you know, being obedient makes you a better person or a good person. It may do that, but that's not why we say living God's way is better. See, we say that living God's way is better because we honestly and wholeheartedly believe that when we line our lives up with God, our lives change for the better in every single area of our lives. That's why we say that, that living a with God life is better. But here's the deal. Here's what you got to think about. See, in order to have a with God life, you need to change. Change what? You need to change. In order to have a with God life, you need to change your priorities to have a with God life. In order to have a with God life, you maybe need to change your expectations. And to have a with God life, you, you may need to change your way of doing things to actually do it God's way to have a, and live a with God life. So, so let me ask you this morning, if you're here and you're a Christian, Whatever the circumstance is that's going on in your life, whatever the thing is that you know needs to change or that you know is not of God or whatever it is in your relationships are hurt, do you really want to change? Do you really want it to change? And I mean change in the sense of not that circumstance, that's, that thing can't change, in the sense of living God's way is better. Do you want that? Living God's way is better in your marriage. Living God's way is better in your personal life when nobody's watching. Living God's way is better in your parenting, in your filling whatever blank you want. Because we really need to wrestle with this, gang. We need to wrestle with this question if we're going to see real, lasting change in our lives. We need to wrestle with this before we say, God, change me. We need to have an understanding because God will answer you. But are you ready for what he gives you the answer for? Are you ready for the answer he gives? Are you ready for what God actually says needs to change? Are you prepared to change your priorities, your expectations, 
and your way of doing things. You know, over the last couple weeks and months as I was going through uh, preparing this series, uh, this one right here was one that I was not particularly uh, looking forward to because I knew there were some things that God wanted me to face. And I'm telling you, over the last couple weeks, he's been showing me some of these things that need to change. And, and when I look at my priorities and my expectations and my way of doing things, it hits it dead on on some of the things that need to change. I've been challenged in this life. So today, here's what, here's what I need to know and here's what you need to know. Change can happen. It can absolutely happen to every one of us. God can change you. That's the good news today. So I want to go to a story where we see this actually happen uh, between Jesus and a man. He changes this man's life. And, and I want this story not only to show the power that Jesus has to change his life and change your life, but I also want to see the arguments, listen, that we put up, that we put forward the things that we don't change. And then hopefully that will bring us to pray this dangerous prayer of God, change me. So let's get there. John 5, hopefully you're there. And uh, by the way, I love that so many of you have your Bibles. And, and as I read, I want to challenge you as we read things like this. You know, if something pops out to you, if, if, if something is like kind of sticking out, underline it, circle it. You know, go back as you study it this week and say, hey, God, why did that stick out to me when, when we were reading it at church? You know, because we're going to visit uh, this when we read it and go back. But, you know, what, what I might be talking about might not be something to God. He might stick something else out at you. So bring your Bible, circle, underline, uh, go back and study. So here, let's, let's pick up this story uh, and see what happens, okay? Verse 1 in John chapter 5, it says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, an Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five Ruth colonnades, and in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, well, get up, take your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. John says uh, that that day was a Sabbath because uh, by the end of this story, we're not going to get there this morning, but, but by the end of the story, it turns out that people wanted to kill Jesus because this happened on the Sabbath. Hear this again. There were God followers that wanted to kill, they were going to kill Jesus because he helped someone, he healed someone on the wrong day. See, that's what religion does, gang. Isn't that crazy? That's what religion does. It's just amazing to me, just as a note. Just, it's, it's why Jesus never liked religion. It's why he never liked religion. So let's get into this for a few minutes this morning and see what's going on with this incredible change that happens with this man. So this happens in Jerusalem, uh, and it happens in a place called Bethesda. Now, whenever you see the word Beth, uh, it's actually a Hebrew word that means house. Uh, so when you encounter like town names with, with that word Beth, uh, it's house of something. So when you see the town Bethsaida, that means house of fish. Now, if you knew that, if you see uh, Bethel or Bethel, that means house of God. Uh, Bethlehem, a lot of us know, uh, means house of bread. Now, now, what I would not recommend you doing, fellas, is using this as a topic of conversation to try to ask a girl named Beth out. Like to say, Beth, did you know your name means house is not a good pickup line. I'm just saying, they don't want to associate their name with house, okay? Just, I'm protecting you there, okay? Use it somewhere else. But here, uh, but Bethesda means house of mercy. I find it interesting 
with a story that we encountered that this is place is called House of Mercy and what this guy experienced with Jesus. And so at this time, it's surrounding, it says, a feast. Now, we don't know what the feast is. It uh, doesn't say what it is. But what we know about these feasts that happen is a lot of the Jews come back into town. They come back for these fe- this feast. So there's a lot of people around. And so it's talking in this place that's called House of Mercy. There's this pool. And surrounding the pool is a bunch of, like, covered roofs. And, and in these covered roofs, in the shade, are laying these people. There's just all bunch of people laying down by this pool. And, and they're sick, they're crippled, they're lame. There's a lot of sickness and disease going on. And here's why they were there. They were there because there was a belief at that time that God would stir up the waters in this pool. And as they were being stirred up, that the first one that would get into the water would actually be healed of whatever was going on in their lives. And so that was kind of a belief that they had. Um, some historians actually believe, to maybe explain this a little bit, some historians believe that it was maybe a hot spring at that time and that, that that's why people maybe uh, felt some relief or something like that. We don't know. But honestly, honestly, it could be that God stirred the waters, gang. It really could. It could be that God did this in an amazing way. But, so we don't know, but that's why uh, they were there. And so Jesus comes to this pool. And he sees this guy that had been there, and he knows this guy, not only what was going on in his life, but he knew he'd been there for a long time. Now, here's my guess. It says he'd been there for 38 years. My guess is that that he had been there pretty much his whole life. I don't think he was 50 or 60 years old. My guess is that he had probably been there for most, if not all, of his life. You know, I don't know what circumstance you're going through that needs to change. You know, I don't know how long you've been sick and tired of being sick and tired, but gang, listen, 38 years, that's a long time. That's a long time. So Jesus, he knows his condition, and he asks him a question that seems to me really strange. He says to the guy, do you want to be healed? And I just find that bizarre. Don't you find that kind of strange? It seems a little unnecessary that he would ask him that question, but, but I want you to think about this. I want you to think because a couple things. I want you to think why he asked that. And I want you to also think about Jesus. Anything that Jesus says, there's no waste of words. Jesus never wasted a word. So he said it for a reason. And here's why I think Jesus is asking this. Jesus is asking the guy because he was saying, do you want it? Do you want to be made well? And what's amazing, if you look with me here, is that this dude does not say yes. Look back. He doesn't say yes. You'd think he would say, gosh, finally, yes, heal me, yes. He doesn't say yes. Why doesn't he say yes? Gang, why, why don't we say yes sometimes to the things that are so obvious in needing change? Well, I want to go through this this morning. I want to go through a few hurdles that we encounter when it comes to seeing lasting change happen in your lives and in our lives. So if you're taking notes, uh, we're going to talk through the hurdles that this guy experienced. And the first uh, thing that we see with this guy is his alibi. The first hurdle that we see is his alibi. Look at what he says here in verse 7. He says, No one will help me get in the water. I find it interesting that Jesus asked him a yes and no question. And he goes, hey, listen, it's not my fault. It's somebody else's. That's the first. He doesn't say yes. He doesn't say no. The first thing he says is an excuse. He says, hey, listen, nobody will get me into the pool. Somebody's always beating me to the pool. Now, I wonder, have you ever been like that yourself? Ever make excuses like that when the, with the things that are happening in your life or the things that you know need to change? You know, we have these justifications, don't we, of, of why things aren't changing or why I'm so unique to this situation. You know, if you only knew my story, then you know why God can't really heal my version of what's going on in this area of life. See, that's what we say. That's what we think. 
And gang, it is one of the biggest ploys that the enemy uses against us to believe that. It's one of the biggest tools that the enemy uses when we say that. You know, uh, I mean, if you think about it, we say these things like, you know, I, I believe, I believe that Jesus can change marriages, but let me tell you why he can't change mine. You ever say that? Or, you know, I believe that Jesus really can change things like anger and pornography addiction and habits, but, but here's why I'm the exception. See, I mean, God knows this about me. That's why it's hard for me to change. You ever think like that? Can I just tell you something? You are not the exception to the power of God to change you because, listen, there are no exceptions to the power of God that changes you. Here's what Jesus said. He said, with man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. Change is possible. You can change. Please hear me. Please hear me. Do not make an excuse of why it won't work for you. God can absolutely change you. You are not the exception. You're believing a lie. You're believing a lie. You're not leaning in to God and what he says. So let me ask you, what needs to change? You know, where, where do you have a weakness in your life? Where are you weak? You know, maybe you're, some of you are sitting there going, I don't know, I can't think of a weakness. Well, ask your spouse. They got a list, I'm sure. Okay? What is it? What is it? Now, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be made well? First hurdle is alibi. Second hurdle that we see is action. Second hurdle was action. Now, what we notice here is that Jesus, this is really something interesting. The first thing that Jesus said to this guy wasn't be healed. The first thing that he actually said was stand up. We got to notice he said stand up. So he's saying you got to catch this for lasting change to happen in your life. He's saying, are you willing to put some effort in this? That's what he's saying. That's what Jesus is saying. Are you willing to do this? There is an effort on your part to actually change. But I think what, what we uh, tend to do and what tends to happen is that we want things to change without me really changing. Like, I don't want everything around me to change, but I don't really want to change anything about me. You know, one of my favorite shows uh, is The Office. Any Office fans in here? Yeah, so now there's this episode in The Office where the office manager, Michael, uh, through talking to people, he finds out he's like in this massive financial trouble, like really bad, bad financially. And so someone just says, hey, man, just declare bankruptcy. And so you see this light bulb go on with Michael, and he goes, yeah, that's, that's what I'm going to do. I'm gonna, so let's see how he handles it. I declare bankruptcy! I just wanted you to know that you can't just say the word bankruptcy and expect anything to happen. I didn't say it. I declared it. <laughs> Isn't that great? That's us. I want everything to change, but I don't want really to change myself, right? Gang, you know, that's funny, and I, and I really do think that that totally ties in with, with what I was thinking. But here's the thing that I want us to catch. Please catch this. Please catch this. Screaming, Lord, change me. It's not going to do anything. There's, there's no magic in those words, gang. That's not how it works. You got, you got to go back to this story. Think about this guy with Jesus. Think about where he was and what was going on. He'd been there for a long time, 38 years. Think about it. Really think about it. Is it possible, is it just possible that there were people at that pool who didn't necessarily want to get healed? I, I think it's possible. 
And it's interesting because here's the thing. There's a lot of folks around there. Here's what I know. Jesus didn't do a sermon. He didn't talk to all of them. He talked to one guy. He talked to just this one guy. And think about, just think about it. What would happen if this guy actually does get healed? He has to get up, doesn't he? He has to get moving. He's got to figure out what to do. He needs to get a job. He has to support himself. His whole life is going to change, not just this circumstance. His priorities were going to have to change. His way of life was going to have to change when he gets healed. You knew maybe he was a little more comfortable than even he knew by the pool. So let me ask you, I don't know, are you maybe a little bit more comfortable in what you're doing, and maybe that's why you haven't changed? Are you a little more comfortable than you think? Are you willing to put some effort in? That's what Jesus is getting at. Are you willing to change your thinking? This is what he's getting at when he asks, do you want to be healed? Here's the thing, gang. Of course that guy wanted things to change. Of course he did. I mean, why would he not want things to change? But did he want to change? Of course you want things to change in your life. Of course you want things to change in your marriage. And, and how, but do you really want to change? See, this is why Jesus was asking the question. So do you want to see change? You know, so often... We want our circumstances to change without us changing at all. And I think it's a huge hurdle to seeing lasting change happen and getting to this better life with God. So that's the second hurdle. There's an action on your part. Third hurdle that we see uh, is access. Just because I wanted three A's, okay? I have to explain it. Isn't that great? Look at that. Just saying. Okay, so here it is. Here's what I mean by access. I worked really hard on that. Uh, Here it is. A lot of times, here's what I mean by access being a hurdle. Here's what happens a lot of times. You know, a lot of times when it comes to the things we change, we tend to stay just at arm's length, just, just there, away from that thing that really needs to change, just in case. You know, just in case this change thing doesn't really happen after 48 hours. I'm going to, you know, or just in case, you know, this change thing doesn't feel very comfortable. Because we never fully got rid of the thing that needs to change, either in my thinking or, or in what I'm doing, or, or that I won't stop seeing that person, or I'm not going to stop going to the bar. I'm not going to drink, but I just won't stop going to the bar. Like, because we just keep it at arm's length, and we don't think see that our access to that thing that needs change will be a hurdle to actual change. Look at what Jesus, going back again, look at what Jesus says to this man. I think it's interesting what he says before he gets healed. He doesn't say be healed right away. Jesus first says stand up. And then Jesus tells this guy something interesting. He says, take your mat. Before he gets healed, he says, stand up and take your mat. He says, pick up the bed that you've been using. Here's what I want us to see in our own lives when it comes to seeing change happen. See, when Jesus asked this guy to pick up his mat, he was telling him to remove that option in his life. You can't go back to that bed, man. It's not a bed ever again for you. Pick it up. You got to burn that bridge. That's why he told him. So let me ask you, there are a few bridges that you need to burn in your life for this thing to change? Anybody need to flat out get rid of what you can access so easily for this change to really take place? Maybe you need to throw that number away. Maybe you need to stop hanging out with him or her. You know, maybe you need to actually put a blocking software on your computer so you won't go to those sites. Here's what, what is it gonna take for you to say, I'm not going back. I'm not going back. I gotta get rid of the excuses. I gotta get some action on my part and I gotta burn some bridges so I don't go back again. How are you going to change? How are you going to change? I think it's why Jesus asked, do you want to get well? well? Here's where I'm going to start by asking you, if you really 
want to see it. Here's my question. Do you want to? Do you really want to? And then I want to challenge you to see that the power here, why we say, here's what you need to understand. The power here that really matters is Jesus. It's not you, it's Jesus. He is the one who has the power to change your life in every single area. He is the key to lasting change. So let me ask you, if you do want to see change happen in your life, in that thing or that circumstance or whatever is going on, that relationship, if you really want to see it, here's what I'm going to ask you. How are you doing? How are you doing in your basic relationship with God? I mean, how are you really doing? Are you reading every day? We say up here all the time, 15 minutes every day with God will change your life. How you doing there? Are you reading? You know, during this series, I don't know if you know, in our outlines, we're putting a, a reading plan there, a prayer plan at the bottom of every one of these in the next three weeks. How you doing there? Are you reading? Are you, are you just leaning into God? Are you praying every day? Are you with people? Listen, are you with people who can just really hold you spiritually accountable in that thing that needs to change on a consistent basis? This is simple stuff. Listen, are you, if you're a believer and you really want to see change, I'm just going to ask you, are you living a faithful, obedient life? Gang, what I just listed, that's basic. Basic to the Christian life. That's, I'm not asking you to do anything crazy. Are you doing that to see real lasting change happen in your life? It's an action you take. That's how you lean into God's power to change you. How you doing there? You know, I want to give us an opportunity this morning to be in the presence of God for a few minutes like we did last week. I just feel like there's something powerful just to sit in his presence. We don't give ourselves this opportunity that often. So I'm going to do that again this week uh, like we did last week. And so the band's going to come up here in a little bit and, and they're gonna, we're going to close out on a song again. But, but before we do this, I just, as I was preparing this message, I just, with this change, I, I just feel like I need to ask you a question. I just want to humbly, honestly ask you, why, why are you here? I mean, why are you really here? And here's what I'm asking, because there are different reasons why people are here right now. All kinds of different reasons. Maybe you're here because you think it's the right thing to do. Or, you know, you just kind of look good. That's kind of what the point is. You're here because, you know, you look good for coming. Maybe that's you. Or maybe, you know, maybe you're here and you would say you believe in God. And some people, you would say that you're a Christian even. But when I talk about real change that happens, maybe you can't say you've really seen that happen in your own life. You just know, you don't even really know what that is. You don't know. It's elusive, but you're here. I mean, you're here. You're, you're looking for it or not. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're here this morning and you're looking at your faith and it's on the line between belief and superstition. I think that's a whole lot more people than we are willing to think about. That you're just on that line. You know, you grew up believing uh, in Jesus like you did Santa Claus or Easter Bunny. Now you're just like, I don't know. I'm not sure. Let me ask you, what needs to change? What are you doing about it? How are you actually leaning into God if you're there? Because here's the thing. I believe you're here. You don't want your faith to be like that. You really don't. I would say, I want to ask you if that's you, what needs to change? Is it your pursuit of God? Is it your pursuit? I mean, if you're honest with yourself, what's your pursuit of God look like lately? And here's the thing. I'm not asking you anything that I wouldn't ask myself. I'm, I'm really not. I, I take an inventory of my own life sometimes, and a lot of times I ask myself, would my pursuit of God point someone else to pursue God themselves and actually find a lasting faith? Would my pursuit actually point someone to God? How's your pursuit? How, what's it pointing someone to if they saw your pursuit? What needs to change in your life? Come on. What needs to change? See, gang, Jesus by his nature and what he's done for you should be more often than not producing this transcending joy. 
a sustaining faith, and really he should be not all the time every minute of the day, but more often than not, just giving you a smile, a genuine smile because of what he's done for you in your life. That's why a lot of us are here, by the way. We're here to worship God because of who Jesus is. That should be producing in you more often than not that kind of stuff, this change that Jesus brings. If you're not experiencing that, I hate that. I hate that for you. I hate the idea that people walk around not really experiencing the transformative power that comes with the knowledge of God through Jesus Christ. Without that, it's just religious activity. That's not why Jesus came. He didn't come to make you religious. He came to set you free. He came to put a smile on your face. He came to give you life everlasting. So let me challenge you if you're there and you're thinking, you know what, I don't know, I'm trying to eat. I don't know, I'm not really experiencing that. I can't really get there. You know, it's not working. I mean, let me ask you, did you pray the prayer from last week? Every day, did you pray that prayer? Were you here last week? I'm just challenging you. Are you applying what we're talking about here and what we're challenging believers to do? Are you applying? What needs to change? What needs to change? Maybe you're here because you know you need to experience God and you just haven't. You know you haven't. You would not say that you are somebody who's been changed by the saving power that comes in a relationship with Jesus Christ, you know? Here's my hope for you. Can you see that Jesus may be right here right here asking you if you want to experience him. I mean, right here. Here's what I want you to know. Here's what the scripture actually tells us. If that's you, Jesus will meet you right where you are. Right where you are. In this story, go back and read it yourself to the end. Jesus healed a guy who didn't even know that he was God in the flesh, but he still healed him. That's amazing. That's how bad Jesus wants you to experience him. We sometimes think we need to understand everything about God before we get to Jesus, but the scripture says the exact opposite. This guy had nothing figured out and Jesus healed him. So may I ask, may I ask, without you having everything figured out, do you want to be healed? It's a simple question that Jesus is asking you right here. Do you want to be healed? Here's the truth for you. Here's what you need to know. Jesus offers something that you can never get on your own. He offers you something amazing you will never be able to achieve on your own. Jesus offers you lasting change in this world and in the next. And you can't get there on your own. Listen to me. You can't. Change can happen in your life, but it only comes when you place your faith and trust in Jesus as Lord of your life. And let me tell you, that's what's missing. That's what's That's the void that people are trying to fill in the gaps with all this stuff. Good stuff and bad stuff. Good stuff too. I mean, listen, you can go to church, you can do good deeds, you can look the part, but that will not bring the change that only Christ can give you when you surrender your life to him for the forgiveness of your sins and you enter into a saving relationship with him. Because when we do that, you see, when we surrender our lives over to Christ, this is what some of you are missing, then the Holy Spirit enters into your life and confirms that. And that's what changes your life. That's what changes your heart. That's what so many of us are here for. And if you don't have that, I'm telling you, that's the, all, every, all other people are doing is just religious activity. That's all you're doing. Is really, that's why you're not really finding any lasting change or, or, or stuff going on in your life. So I'm begging you to know the difference and make a decision. Make a decision. If you haven't placed your faith in Christ, you can do that today. Uh, and I'm just going to invite you to do that right now in the next few minutes. I want you to pray this with me right now. If you're ready in your heart, you can pray this. You can just pray. If you, if, you, if you don't feel like you've ever done this, God, I need a change. I need to experience your mercy and forgiveness so I surrender my life, my sin to you. And I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life. And I accept his death and resurrection on the cross as payment for my penalty. And I commit my life to you forever. Amen. Welcome to the family. 
I mean, if you prayed that prayer, I want to talk to you. That's just the start. We want to get you to the next steps. Congratulations if you made that decision. I'm excited for you. Don't leave without telling me. Don't leave without at least grabbing a connect card. There's a box that says, I prayed to receive Christ today. We would love to celebrate that. And we would love to get in contact with you to give you the next step. There are next steps that we want you to take. We would love for you to do that. Now, for everyone else here, I want to take a few minutes, just like we did last week. I want you to take a few minutes this morning and just ask here, just ask this. God, what are you showing me today? What are, what are you telling me? from this message. And maybe I can ask you to take a risk and say, God, what are some things that need to change and why am I not changing? Just ask him. He'll show you. Just take these minutes and, and do that. And, and then what effort do I need to do to make and see this change in my life? And then during this couple minutes, I want to challenge you to pray the prayers that we have. I have both of them up here for this week. If you want to write down the second one, that's the second one for this week. But I want to challenge you to just pray these prayers during these minutes. God, search my heart. Test my thoughts. Lead me to the way everlasting. And here's the prayer for this morning. God, give me courage to change what I can and faith where I don't believe is possible. That God, help me burn bridges. Help me burn these bridges so I don't ever go back. God, where am I seeing that things aren't possible? Give me faith to believe that you can do far more than I can ever imagine if I let you in, God. Change me. Change me. So take this time, be in God's presence. We're going to ask uh, if you're out in the lobby, uh, there are folks sitting out in the lobby, just please be kind to those folks out there. Let them have the minutes. If you're out there, just uh, help them out by sitting and watching. Don't move around a lot. But, and we're closing a song, service it and over. We've still got six minutes left. we got plenty of time. Just sit, be in God's presence, asking these questions. Pray this prayer. God, we give this time to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Let's get praying, gang.